I'm Jamelin Steffen, and this is Want to Want It episode number 70, Parenting, A Few Things I've Learned. Welcome to Want to Want It, a podcast for women of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints who are ready to ignite not only their sexual desire, but all of their desires to create a more fulfilling life and marriage. I'm Jamelin Steffen. I'm a certified life coach, a wife, and a mother of seven children. I'm excited to share my personal journey to desire with you and teach you how to desire more as well. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the podcast today. Before I begin, I just have to say that Father's Day is right around the corner. I just want to first just take a minute to acknowledge my own dad for the wisdom and the time that he's given me in my life. I just have so much appreciation for him. And especially as I you know, age and learn more about life, I really, really appreciate just how good he has been to me. And of course, my husband, Jared, and what an amazing dad he is to my kids. And what an example he has been to me of just trying to always teach our children the right and to be willing to go back and say, I could have done that better. And he's just really such a good man. And I so, so appreciate him. And I just want to say happy Father's Day to all of the amazing men out there. I appreciate that you live in a world now that is anti-men a lot. And I don't agree with that. And I'm sorry for it. I want you to know that I feel like your role in the world as husbands and fathers and leaders and teachers influencing children, whatever role that you play in the world, I appreciate you. And I hope you have a really great Father's Day. So I have actually had a few requests to discuss parenting topics on the podcast. And even though I have a large family, if you're like me, the more children you have, the less you seem to know. So I actually really was worried that maybe I didn't have anything to share about parenting. I think it's because I thought I had to be the expert and I don't feel like an expert. But I kind of just came to the thought, you know, what if I just shared some ideas that have been helpful for me as a parent? I don't have to share a lot, but I can share what has worked. So today, that is what I'm going to do. I'm going to share a few things that I have learned as a parent that have been helpful for me. Again, I'm not an expert. Please take it all with a grain of salt. None of this is, you know, gospel or just have been things that have helped me and maybe will help you. And if not, totally fine. So the very first thing I want to talk about is the idea that you are your child's parent on purpose. Now, I believe in an all-knowing God who created this world, who sent my children to me, and I don't believe that's an accident, and I think the same thing about everybody else. Even if you've had an unplanned pregnancy, nothing surprises God, and he has sent your child or your children to you because he believes that it is going to produce the best outcome for you and for your children. He knows it's going to be messy because if he wanted it to be perfect, he would have kept them with him. (laughs) Or perhaps he would have actually required some of us to take a test. I don't know. He maybe would have required us to be perfect before allowing us to procreate. But apparently that's not necessary. Your imperfection is perfect, apparently, for God's purposes. So you may feel very inadequate at times, or maybe all the time right now. You may feel like you fail more than you succeed. You may feel like somebody else actually could do this better with this child. Maybe sometimes you actually don't like your child and think this cannot have been meant to be. You may feel like you're ruining your child. I hear that a lot from parents. I feel like I'm ruining my kids. 
Maybe you feel like your child is ruining you. I just want you to try on the idea that everything is as it should be and that you are your child's mother or father on purpose because it is the best plan for both of you. Okay? I want you to really consider that. The second thing that I feel like has been so helpful for me is to remember that your spouse is your child's parent on purpose too. Now, I cannot tell you how many times I have coached women on the way that they hate how their husband parents. He's too lax. He's too lazy to actually discipline anybody. He lets my kids get away with murder. He lets them do the things I always say no to. He lets them do it and wants to do it with them. He won't actually help with anything. Or they'll say, he's so impatient. He's so demeaning to my kids. He loses his temper too easily. He expects way too much of my little kids. He thinks he's the king of the castle and treats my kids like the peasants that just need to serve him and stay out of his way. He's so harsh and critical, or he's so disconnected from my kids, right? These are the stories that I get, and I get it. And I know that this doesn't just happen for women. I know that men have a lot to say about how their wives parent. And I have had lots of opinions about how I think my husband should parent. But I will never forget the day that my coach said, your husband's relationship with your children is his business, and you need to stay out of their relationship. I was kind of shocked and admittedly a little panicked because I was like, are you kidding me? Sometimes he does a terrible job. Doesn't that make me a bad mom if I don't step in and protect them from him? (laughs) Because that's what I always did. And I know some of you can relate to this. You don't like how your spouse is speaking to your child or the punishment that they've chosen, or maybe you don't like that they aren't doing enough. And so you step in to try and make it right and defend your child. Now, little caveat here. As a parent, you do have the responsibility to protect your child from genuine abuse, right? Physical, mental, sexual, emotional abuse. That is your job. And maybe at times you feel like that's what you've had to be doing, but you're going to have to judge that for yourself. I am not in your home. But I just want to be clear that when I say stay out of your spouse's relationship with your child, I'm not saying that you should turn a blind eye to abuse. What I'm talking about here is recognizing that your spouse is also your child's parent on purpose, that God set it up this way on purpose because he knew it would provide the best opportunity for your spouse and for that child. Even if you can't totally believe that today, could you consider that it might be possible that your spouse is also the perfect parent for your child? Here's what I want you to consider. What if your way isn't actually the best way all the time? Now, I know that's mind-blowing, but is it possible that to raise a well-rounded, happy child, that that child needs to experience two different types of parenting? This brings to mind the idea of co-parenting. A co-parenting relationship is generally a relationship that we describe between parents who are separated or divorced, right? But who still both want to be major contributors to the raising of their children. So in an ideal co-parenting relationship, the focus of the relationship is all about what is best for the children. But the reality is that it doesn't always go this way, right? Some co-parents end up doing what's called conflicted co-parenting. This means that they constantly fight and they lack the ability to cooperate, And studies show that when you engage in conflict co-parenting, it can actually be harmful to children and contributes to poor outcomes for them. So even if you're married, guess what? You're co-parenting. And ideally, you're parenting in a way that 
what is best for your children is the main goal of all that you do. But we know that we don't always do that. We're not always great at keeping what's best for our child in mind because our pride gets in the way. But overall, in general, more than 50% of the time, the hope is that both you and your spouse are trying to always do what is best for your child. But you may not agree what best is. So can you let your spouse parent how they want and mind your business? Now, I hear some of you saying, what if my spouse ruins their relationship with my kids because they behave in a way that I think is going to wreck their relationship? Am I just going to stand by and let that happen? I mean, that's up to you. Again, you don't have to take my advice here. I'm simply offering it because it has worked so much better for me. So you can decide to let your spouse deal with the natural consequences of their parenting choices. And I promise they do come along sooner or later for all of us. Or you can also constantly step in and try and control something that you can actually never control and drive yourself mad trying to do it and put unnecessary strain on your marriage relationship over it. Another option is to take opportunities when you're alone to approach your spouse about your concerns and not do it in front of your kids. If you're willing to actually be really curious and to ask your spouse about why they're choosing to do what they are doing, maybe you'll be able to see how it is best for that child or for that relationship, or maybe you'll actually have the opportunity to express your concerns and kind of educate your spouse on why this isn't working for that particular child. I want you to see that just because I've decided that my husband is the perfect dad for my children, not because he is perfect or does it perfectly, but because he's the one God chose for the job, just because I decided that my husband is the perfect father for my children and that his relationship with them is none of my business, doesn't mean that we don't still have many conversations about how we want to proceed, what we think is best, and how we can do better. We have both had plenty of opportunities to apologize. I've had times when my husband has asked me to excuse myself from a certain situation when I'm acting totally out of control so as to help me not completely obliterate my kids. We try to help and support each other. In the ideal co-parenting scenario, divorced parents are striving to put their own pride aside and work to provide what is needed for their children and what is best for them. Understanding that they don't live under the same roof and have no control over how the other person parents when the other one's not around. When a couple is divorced, they are somewhat forced to stay out of their ex's relationship with the children. The truth is, even as married parents, we need to stay in our own lane. Instead of trying to control or buffer your children's relationship with your spouse, focus instead on trying to be the type of parent you want to be. You surely are not perfect yet. Take the focus off your spouse and put it back on you and back on what you can control, which is your behavior. This will serve your children far better. So the second thing to remember is your spouse is your child's parent on purpose and their relationship with your children is their business, not yours. Okay, number three, at times you will be a test and a trial to your child and that's okay. Again, because you're not perfect and nobody gave you a here's how to raise children at all stages of life lesson, you are going to blow it sometimes. You are going to think you're doing the best thing and it may turn out actually to be terrible. You're going to drop the ball sometimes. You're going to be unkind. You're, you're going to have times when you are doing the thing you know is right for your child and they're going to hate you for it. I know that we often talk about how children are trials that refine us. Guess what? We are trials that refine our children. Now, 
I am not saying this so that you can excuse poor behavior or so that you can decide you don't need to change. I'm telling you this simply to give you some compassion for yourself. Sometimes when I do something I know I need to apologize for, I tell myself that God set this up this way on purpose and he can make up the difference for my kids. And then when I go to talk to that particular child, I tell them I'm sorry, but apparently I am meant to be a test and a trial in their life and I will do better and I'm thankful that God has got us all. You can't do it perfectly and right all the time. And even if you could, your children might still hate it and hate you for it. We have a rule that phones have to be turned in at night. I don't know if any of you have this rule. So for some of our kids, it's a bit of a mild annoyance, but for others, it is seriously a trial. I remember my son was invited to be on a basketball team that was going to go to Italy for two or three weeks one summer, and he wanted to go so badly. My husband and I sat down, we talked about it for a long time, but neither of us could feel settled about it. And so we told him he couldn't go. It was really hard on him. We were certainly testing and trying him. So when I say you are a test and a trial for your children, that means you will blow it sometimes and they're going to take the hit for that. And it also means that you're going to do what you know is right and they're still going to take the hit for it and that's okay. Number four, you are not raising this child on your own, even if you are a single parent. You are not expected to get this child where they need to be in their life and in the world by yourself. So I remember years ago listening to John Lund, he had given a parenting talk and I was listening to the replay of it and he gave this analogy, which I love and has been so helpful for me. And maybe I've shared it on the podcast before. I'm so sorry. I literally cannot remember what I shared last week. So if you've heard this before, fast forward, it's fine. Anyways, so if you think about a volleyball team, right, you have six players on the court and each player has a section of the court that they are responsible for taking care of so that the ball does not drop on that part of the floor. And some of them are responsible for serving or setting or hitting or blocking and everybody knows their role and everyone knows where they need to be on the court, okay? If one player decides that they are the hero and they have to hit the ball every time and nobody else... (laughs) is going to touch that ball. I promise you, first, they're going to drop the ball. And second of all, they're going to wear themselves out and still lose the game. Okay, it just doesn't work that way. The coach is going to pull you off and be like, dude, you've got to let other people touch the ball. You cannot do this by yourself. It was never meant to be that way. Sometimes as moms, especially, but I think dads as well, we get into our head that the success of this child, this child making it in the world, is all on us. And we forget that we actually just have a little section of the court that we're responsible for. And that Christ is on the court with us, the Holy Ghost is on the court with us, grandparents are on the court with us, teachers, leaders, friends, parents of of their friends. They're all on the court with us. And they are all helping to get that kid where that kid needs to be, whatever that is, helping them to become successful, happy adults. Just watch your part of the court. That's your job. Stop trying to be the only one, the savior, the only person keeping this kid afloat. Look around you and you will see that there is so much support for this child. And honestly, it's not necessarily because you have to stop doing things you do as a mom. It's just recognizing if you think to yourself, it's all on me, you're mistaken. And you can get rid of that thought and remember, I just have to take care of my part of the court. That's my job as their mom. 
and everybody else is here doing their part and it's all going to be okay. So it isn't because you have to go out and manage a team suddenly. It's just a mindset to remember it's actually not all on me. I got all the help I need. Okay, this is a good reminder. I don't always remember, but it's a good reminder. Okay, number five, be the flight attendant. Okay, sometimes our kids are going through something that is really hard and they're maybe freaking out a little bit, okay? Now, I've mentioned before how the night before my daughters were leaving on their missions, I could just see the fear in their eyes and it was so hard to watch. In fact, I felt myself feeling scared for them. But do you know what would have been the least helpful thing for me to do in that moment? Freak out with them. Jody Moore always tells me that my job as the mom is to be the flight attendant. Now, I know most of you have been on a plane before, and so you have most likely experienced turbulence. It is extremely unnerving. And I've been in turbulence that felt like literally I was on on like a roller coaster. It was so scary. But guess what? The flight attendants weren't scared. They were totally calm. And honestly, that is comforting. Because if they aren't freaking out, these people who fly all the time, then that must mean that this is normal and that they're confident that the pilots got us and they think we're going to be okay. And I have to trust that because they have way more experience than I do in the air. I take my cue from them. Now, I may still be a little bit tense, but I know I don't need to panic because the flight attendants are calm. Our kids need us to be calm when there's turbulence. This helps them not to panic. Too often, I think we all think we're supposed to be freaking out, but it's not helpful for our kids. When we're worried along with them, all that tells our kids is that they should be worried, that they should be scared. When we're calm, then our kids, even if they feel worried or a little scared, have the solid foundation to rest their anxieties on. Then as you express your confidence in them and in their ability to overcome whatever is in their path, they will be more inclined to believe you because you are calm. And honestly, even in a real emergency on a plane, the flight attendant is expected to keep her head so that she can actually help people have the highest chance of a good outcome. So even if your child is in a really, really serious situation, keep your head. That is what they need. You need to be the flight attendant. Number six. It's okay for your children to be disappointed or uncomfortable sometimes. I want you to really try this thought on. Now, when I say it's okay for your children to be disappointed or uncomfortable, I'm not saying that you actually have to feel okay about it. You may feel disappointed for them. You may feel sad or scared as well. But here's what I mean. Nothing is going wrong if your child is disappointed or uncomfortable. So here's what I see, and I think we are all a little guilty of this. And some of you are going to listen to this and think, oh, that's what so-and-so does all the time. She's such a helicopter parent, and you might be right. But I want you to turn the focus back to yourself and see how you do this, okay? Here's what I see. A child ends up in a class without his friends, and so his mom goes to the school to get his class changed. Or a child isn't getting as much playing time as his dad thinks he deserves on the team, so he goes to the coach and tells the coach that he wants his kid to play more. Or another child is unkind to your child, so you go tell that child off. I mean, let's face it, there are a million ways our kids can and will be disappointed in life. And we know that because we have had all of those disappointments, we know how it feels. And of course, we love our children and we want to protect them from pain and sadness. But this is not very helpful. 
I want you to be honest with yourself. The reason most parents intervene and try to decrease the disappointment or eliminate the discomfort for their child is because of what the parent has to feel. So remember what I've taught you, our feelings drive everything and feeling good is always our main goal. So when we see our child suffer, we may think a thought like, that's not fair, or that was so mean, or they deserve so much better, whatever it is. And then we feel sad or disappointed or even angry. And when we feel sad or disappointed or uncomfortable, then we're going to try to do things to feel better so that we can feel better. So we are going to try and change the circumstance in our child's life to reduce their discomfort and pain so that it will decrease our discomfort and pain. That doesn't make you a bad parent, but it doesn't make you actually a good parent either. Here's what I learned one day. I can't even remember the circumstance. I just know that my child was struggling and I found myself trying to make it all right for them. But then I stepped back and asked myself, if I had no emotions about this, if I didn't feel upset for my child at all, and I was just watching this all unfold, what would I do? And I realized that I would stop trying to fix it, at least for this particular circumstance. I would just let it be. I would talk to my child about it and I would express kind of my confidence in their ability to take care of it. So as soon as I took my feelings out of the equation, I could stand back and see how this was an opportunity for my child. I remember another time my son was faced with a really daunting, intimidating meeting with an adult. He had to go talk to an adult about something and he was super scared. Now, of course, my mother instinct was, I should probably go in there with him or at least for him maybe because I knew other parents had done that. But when I took my emotions out of it, I knew this was an opportunity for him and for me. Instead of taking my time thinking of all the ways I would put that adult in their place or how I could fix it all, I used that energy instead to just counsel with my son and to offer him options of things to say. Because I wasn't emotional about it, I could offer him advice that was calm and kind and confident. And he knew, as I did, that the meeting could go really badly. I had to put on my big girl pants and step away from my desire to control the outcome and let him put on his big boy pants and practice taking care of himself, which he did. And it went better than I could have even imagined, actually. And I think it was more impactful for him and for the adult that he visited with. My son learned something about himself that day and found out that he was more capable and brave than he knew. So I just want to offer that it's okay for our kids to be uncomfortable. It's okay for them to experience disappointment. Now, again, you're the parent and there may be times when you know you should step in. So step in. But I promise that is the major exception, not the rule. Number seven, stay out of your kids' friendships. They aren't your business. Be a guide Help them learn how to be and how to navigate friendships, but don't go telling other kids how they need to be to your child. Don't fight with other kids for your child. Don't tell them off. Don't make your kids be friends with kids they really don't like or who aren't kind to them. Don't call your child's friends parents and tell them how mean their child is being to your child. Now, I've never been a mom that calls other parents about their kids, and I don't want to talk to my kids' friends about being nicer to my kids. That's just like not the stuff that I do. But here is where I have had to catch myself. And I have seen the same thing with some of my clients as well. Because I'm a people pleaser, I want my kids to people please their friends and I will push them to do it. Now, I'm onto myself a little more now. I try and not do that as much, but I have to really watch myself. This is how I try and get into business that is not my business. 
I just coached a woman this week who was pushing so hard for her daughter to people please her friend. Even though that friend was being quite cruel and dishonest and unkind, she wanted her daughter to people please this friend so that the friend would stop complaining to her parents who were calling my client, right? So she's trying to be like, be nice to this girl so she can tell her parents you're being nice and they'll stop calling me to tell me that you need to be nice. So once we had kind of talked this through, my client realized that she was trying to manage her daughter's friendship so that she could manage the discomfort she was feeling from these parents. And that instead she could actually stay out of this relationship. She could advise her daughter a little bit, right? From a place of love and neutrality. And if the parents called her, she could just reassure them that she had confidence that these girls could work it out. So again, I'm not telling you to let your child be abused. But for the majority of us, that is not what's going on with our kids. They are experiencing the normal struggles of relationships that occur for all of us. And all they need is a listening ear, some neutral, not emotionally charged advice, and to know that you have confidence that they can work it out and that they will be okay no matter what. This will serve your child way better in the long run, because I hate to tell you this, there will come a day when you will not be fighting their battles for them. And even if there is a part of them that loves that you kind of come in and save them a little bit, kids actually hate this. They don't want to have those parents that stick their noses into their childhood or teenage friendships. It never actually helps. It more often than not makes things worse. So your kids' friendships, they're not yours to micromanage or control. This is just my opinion, of course. I could be totally wrong about this. This is what works for me. And the last thing I want to talk about is If all else fails, be curious. This is good for children of all ages, but I especially find this powerful for teenagers and young adults. Be genuinely curious. Not like curious in a way that's like, I want to know why you're doing this so that I can tell you why you're an idiot. I want you to be curious in a way that's like really actually wanting to understand. Get really good at asking questions. Like, tell me me why it is you don't want to let us know where you are. Or where you're going. Tell me about that. Like, what does it feel like? Why is it you want to do that? What's it like for you? How can I help you? Being open to hear what they have to say, what they're experiencing, and why they're doing what they're doing will help you know how to proceed. It's also going to help your child be open. One of the rules of coaching that we try and follow is to be sure to do our best to keep the client from going into resistance. You don't want to be having a tug of war with your client. That just clamps them down and makes them less likely to be able to get anything from coaching. And the same thing goes with your kids. Do your best to keep resistance low. You want them to be open and it's easier to create that when you're genuinely curious. Then they don't feel attacked and they can start to feel understood. And when kids feel understood, they are more open to understanding you. So be curious. This has been such a great parenting tool for me. Again, not one I'm awesome at always using. My emotions get in the way. But when I can be really thoughtful about it, it's like, let's just get curious and see what's going on for this kid. I hope that some of this has been helpful. I appreciate you letting me just share a few things that have been helpful for me. Certainly not an end-all be-all in parenting advice here, just something to consider. I hope you have a great week, everybody. Happy Father's Day. Bye. Thanks for listening today. If you like what you hear on the podcast and you'd like to learn more, feel free to head over to my website, jamelinstephancoaching.com, or find me on Instagram or Facebook at jamelinstephancoaching.com.